are listening to Pastor Elvis Ajiman. Pastor Elvis Ajiman is the founder of Grace Mountain Ministry and the convener of Alpha R. Follow Pastor Elvis on podcast. Podcast added for Android users is Pastor Ajiman Elvis. And podcast for Apple users is Pastor Ajiman Elvis. And now today's message. Stay blessed. Can we celebrate Jesus better and better and better and better and better and better? You are celebrating Jesus like a ritual. Some people are trying. Yes, we thank God. Maybe, maybe he may have accepted it. (laughs) Hallelujah. We give you the glory. You are awesome. You don't have a class. For all came out of you. And you came out of nothing. That is who you are. Our trust is in you. Our desire and longing is unto you. We hunger for your presence each day, Lord. Thank you for everything. Can you lift up one hands to Jesus? With a heart of gratitude. Thank you for everything. We adore your name. We bless your name. In the next 30 seconds, can you thank him for everything? Everything. Don't make it a ritual. Thank him for everything. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, Kalimro Shande Rebebedesh. We are not familiar with you. We are not familiar with your presence. We are not familiar with you. Thank you, Lord. Lambredo shikarabandos. Andabakano shibalalabandos. Lamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamam
and make it very plain. We need it. To know an aspect of you we don't know yet. We need it, Lord. This is not a gathering to entertain ourselves. This is a gathering to know you and to know you much more. Thank you, my God, for an answered prayer in Jesus' mighty name. I rebuke the voice of the enemy. Amen. And I pray that Satan, you will not have your way in this atmosphere. Amen. Holy Spirit, we present ourselves to you. Teach us. Counsel us. Thank you, my Father. Make us teachable and be our teacher in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Please look into the eyes of somebody. Tell the person that you are in for a blessing. You can never be the same. I can assure you of that. You will never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated in the heavenly places. Now we've got into a very interesting point in our subject. The preciousness of God's presence. How many of us are prepared for it? The preciousness of God's presence. We have been handling how important the presence is and what it did in the lives of others and we have witness of them throughout scriptures wonderful characters that actually expressed um, the very presence of God in their walk on earth and I promised you that from today we are going to understand the things that we must put in place to really host God's presence as a church. What are the requirements, the requisite stuff that are needed for God to dwell among his people and for us to host him, this secret of this man that hosted God. A man like Enoch walked with God until he was not. How come some people could not host him to the end? And some hosted him to the end. Until God made sure they don't even see death. What was the secret? And now I'm beginning with this subject. Please, Grace Mountain, don't, don't joke with this subject. If you get it, you can walk with God. It's time we move from this contemporary approach to our walk with God. Trying our best to impress people that God is with us when he is not. Learning statements and trying to portray and present. We are simply trying to do something for everybody to know God is with us. When the Bible says sometimes he does not even know us. And so why do we fight to create a fake, a pseudo form of something 
when we can go for the reality as we should. It is so real for God to be with a human being. It's so possible and so real. Unfortunately, we have not run after what will keep God. We have run after what will excite us and excite others. If you know how to entertain, you can now have a church. If you know how to speak certain grammar now, you can now be given a title. Only few are working with God in our time. And it is time we come back to the foundation and the roots on the things required to host the Almighty. The one nobody created, the one nobody takes to, the one nobody teaches, the one nobody counsels, the one you can't influence, that one. How do you get him to walk with you, both in public and in secret? Today I'm touching on only one subject. Next week I'll continue. Somebody said the knowledge of God. Epignosis. Today my subject matter is epignosis. If you want to walk with God, the first thing that must be in place, I touch on the word epignosis. You see, there are, there are general knowledge. When you study knowledge in Bible, especially in the New Testament, it will present to you about three different words. We have the genosco, we have the um, uh, epignosco, and then we have the epignosis. The genosco has to do with a general knowledge and perception about something. And then the epignosco also has to do with a deeper understanding, but not a full capture of what that thing represents, though it's a particular knowledge of it. But it's not the full picture of the perception and understanding that one must have. But when it comes to epignosis, we are talking about the precise and the correct knowledge of something. The precise and the correct knowledge of something. It's not enough to say, I know this person. It is for you to make sure that you have the precise. Somebody say the precise. The precise and the correct. The Bible says that in the days of ignorance, God winked. He just winked at our ignorance. But he said for now he recommends that we repent. So there were days that were not operating in the epignosis of God. That he just winked at. They didn't know him the way they should know him. Yet he showed up. They didn't understand the mysteries of the kingdom as they should. Yet he responded when they called. But when he came, he said something. In John 4, 23, he said, now the hour has come. 
that true worshippers will worship God in spirit and in truth. He said that the Father seeketh such to worship him. Number one is in spirit. Number two is in truth. Your knowledge about God must be right to have him around. You just cannot accumulate junk and think that God will show up. Your knowledge about what he represents, who he is, the exactness of his person, the exactness of his moral being, the exactness of his essence must be at your heart. Then you can have God in oppression. Jesus told the Samaritan woman, he said, you don't even know who you worship. You don't know who you worship. We are in a generation that it is no more tolerated that you know your pastor more than God. It's no more tolerated. That is why we shout the most but see the less of manifestations. At first, you could know Moses than God and you still see acts. But now, you must know God than your Moses. Come on, is somebody here with me at all? You must know God. He said that you didn't know what you worshipped. But now God demands that we worship him in spirit. Let me show you 2 Chronicles 15 verse 3. Israel has been without the true God. And without what? A teaching priest. And without law. For a long season. Why has Israel not have a true God? Because there is no teaching priest. Come on, is somebody here with me at all? That means they don't have the required knowledge for God to stay in them. And among them. Listen to me. It is unforgivable for us to be in a season longing for God when there is no true teaching of his word. And the dispensing of his knowledge. It is so dangerous to be hungry for God when you don't have requisite knowledge of him. I'm taking my time with this because there are so many people complaining why God is not moving. And God is also complaining why you are not ready to know him. It doesn't work. You can't just wear your clothes and come here and tell a pastor to perform. This generation will have more magicians than true priests. Because God will never move until the people have been taught. And right now, when people are rejecting a teaching, so the priest must find a way to work miracles. Because it will not be God who will work it. Are we ready for this journey at all? And now we are betting Zambia. Bemaya disappointed, but that's the truth. We are practicing magic for people to be seeing miracles when they don't know the God of the miracles. That God does not operate. Anytime there is a move in an ignorant space, we have to question that move. Boku Balataya. There must never be a true God when there is no true teaching. 
It took Jesus three years to come and teach and prepare people for a move. Apostle Paul taught the Ephesian church for three solid years. After that, miracles broke out. God must be known. God must be known. God must be taught. First, first Peter chapter 1, verse number 9. First Peter 1. Let me show you something here. The secret of the old people. Can we all read one to go? Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Verse 10. Shout it loud and clear. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come to you. Look at that. The prophets. Which prophets is he talking about? This is the New Testament. So talking about the old prophets. And he told us their secret. He's talking about our life, our salvation. What you have as an inheritance right now. He said, these prophets caught this message. And they even prophesied about Jesus. And this was the secret. He said, they inquired and they searched diligently. This was their secret. Inquired from who? That time there was no scriptures. So where were they inquiring from? Where were they searching from? But that was their secret. The more they searched, the more they found God. The more they searched, they wanted to know God. They made inquiries. They wanted to know God. A man like Moses searched and searched and searched until he, he hit a peak of revelation. He said that a prophet like myself will come when he come hear him. Talking about Jesus. How come, how come the people of this dispensation don't know Jesus, but the people of other dispensation knew him? They searched. They searched into who God is. They searched into who God is until they started seeing God and hosting God. In their search for these things, God started showing up and giving them messages. David would say, a seed will serve him and it shall be accounted for him. For a generation. And David could even mimic what Jesus would say on the cross. In Psalm 22, my father, my father, why have thou forsaken me? A man like Enoch diligently searched until he said, I see tens and thousands of saints coming with the Lord. The man is talking about rapture. The second coming of Christ. When he was the seventh man on earth. The Bible says Enoch, the seventh man on earth, saw the second coming of Christ. You have not seen. The Bible said, and he walked with God. He walked with God. Oh, nothing brings God like a pursuit to know him. A diligent pursuit to know him. Nothing brings God like that. Great prophets certain prophesied. A man like Micah will stand there and say that, Ah, Bethlehem, Ephrata, thou art little in Judah, among the thousands of Judah, but from you shall he, he come. Talking about a person, he will come out of you. These men saw things. 
that we are not seeing. And they hosted God because the secret was clear. They were diligent to search for the Lord. I pray for us all. This year we will long to seek God. Am I talking to a church here at all? We will long. There are some of you, there are some of you waiting for pastor to come Sunday morning and say three days time. You will make it. Yes, I receive it. You will receive a miracle. Yes, I will receive it. No, it doesn't work that way. You can receive a miracle and not receive the God of the miracle. How long will you continue like that? Am I talking to a church here at all? How many of us want to know him? We want to know him. We want to know him. Are you sure you really want to know him? It's an endless desire. There were men that diligently seek him. So the Bible says the spirit, they, they, they search from the spirit. Until they know what time Jesus should come and suffer and then be glorified. Epignosis, seeking to find the correct and precise knowledge of God. Now let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Are you ready for this journey? Verse 17. One, two, go. Verse 17. That is it. But the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden. Thou mayest freely eat. Verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge, somebody say the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely You see, our focus all the time has to do with a particular fruit. But God's focus was knowledge. The day you eat of the tree of knowledge, of knowledge, no one knows the number of years Adam lived with God. But we saw a little of his exploits. That God will make things and present those things to Adam. And Adam will begin to name them according to the knowledge of God. And the Bible says that every name Adam gave, that was the name thereof. He didn't make it, but he could name it. And anybody that can name what he couldn't make, can make it. So the only opportunity he was not given was the opportunity not to make it. And God denied him that opportunity, not because he wasn't capable of, 
But because God wanted to take that glory all by himself. And then share a part of that glory. And say, I will make you a name. There is no way you can tell me you can name something you didn't make. Because the Hebrew meaning of name is Shem. Shem means to impact a character. So how can I make this microphone and then you name to impart a character to the microphone if you don't know the makeup? Wait. If you don't know the makeup, how do you name it? How did he call Eve woman? If you don't know he has a womb. If you don't know it. You've got to know the detailed part of everything before you can name it. Otherwise, you will give it a wrong name. So actually, this man was operating not with a part of God's knowledge. He actually had God's mind. He had the precise and correct knowledge of God. The first man to operate in epignosis was Adam. The precise knowledge of what God represents. That's why God said, let us make man in our image. And not just in image, in our likeness. He was operating in the totality of what God operates in. Listen to me. I will lead you to somewhere. Then you understand. It was not Adam's choice. He was made with epignosis. Adam knew had a correct and perfect knowledge of God more than the knowledge of himself. Adam didn't know himself. He knew God more than himself. He knew God more than every other thing. And that was the perfect picture of how God wanted life to be. Because all things are in God. So if anybody has a perfect picture of God, he has a perfect picture of everything. So God was trying to tell Adam that Adam, there is a perfect knowledge at work in you. Don't defile it. There is only one knowledge that can step in and the knowledge you have now will step out. Come on, is somebody here with me at all? When a particular knowledge steps in, this knowledge you are operating with will step out. And the moment this knowledge you are operating in steps out, you will start to experience death. If you touch this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, look, look at that. Genesis chapter 2. The Bible says that, and the man and his wife were naked and they were not ashamed. They were naked. Why? Because they didn't have knowledge of their nakedness. They didn't have it. All they had was a knowledge of God. They didn't have knowledge of their fear. But the moment he touched the fruit in Genesis chapter 3, the Bible says when God called, he ran away because he was naked. Suddenly, this knowledge has brought him an awareness and a consciousness of himself. His limitation. His frailties. Is somebody here with me at all? This is where death began. 
Can, can somebody pray for 30 seconds? Before I continue, Lamakoski Velemesh, Dele Manadoskia, Ramamamama, Lomomosi. In the name of Jesus, listen, I'm about to step somewhere. Adam had fears. Adam has shame. But as long as all his mind was consumed by the knowledge of God, there was no way for fear to be expressed. But the moment a different knowledge showed up, that knowledge showed up with the knowledge of fear. Now Adam started fearing God in the wrong way and started running away from God's presence number two he became ashamed of his nakedness and started to make clothes for himself suddenly Adam started fearing animals do you know that when the knowledge of God was had fully consumed the mind of Adam Adam felt tired but didn't see he was tired. It was when the knowledge of God left that Adam could recognize tiredness. Adam could recognize weaknesses. Adam could recognize failure. Fear started coming in. Limitations started coming in. Everything that was negative started showing up in the heart of Adam then Adam could now begin to flee from things and begin to make decisions for himself based on the weaknesses. So when God said that if you touch this foot, you will die. Actually, the death was a knowing and a picture of the frailties of who we are. We lost our perception about who God is. <laughs> so now we go to write exams, not seeing God, but seeing us. When Adam was operating in epignosis, if he was to go to school and go to examination hall, he enters the examination hall seeing God as God going to write the exams. But when he lost that knowledge, he started seeing himself. He stepped out, stepping out as God himself. But when he lost that knowledge, you see, that is why the Bible says, Romans chapter 1 verse 18 downwards gives us the full picture of the fall of Adam and what actually happened to us in the fall of Adam. Go to the verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it unto them. 
verse 20. For the invincible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Listen to me. That means that when God revealed himself from beginning, the Bible says that the invincible things of God were revealed and was understood by men, the eternal power and the Godhead, so that they are without excuse. No excuse to fail when you see the knowledge of God. No excuse for sin. No excuse for setbacks. No excuse for weaknesses. No excuse for limitation. There is no excuse where the knowledge of God is fully revealed. Somebody shall no excuse for me. So you see, when we are talking about those whose businesses will go down because of economy, some of us will sit down and say, businesses can't go down because of the revelation of the Godhead on my inside. Am I talking to somebody here at all? Because, listen, to, he said there is no excuse for them. That means the moment the knowledge of God hits your heart, it is so impossible to fail. Oh, Jesus Christ. Is somebody here with me at all? Your, your failure becomes too hard than your sources. He said there is no excuse. Somebody shout, this year there will be no excuse for me. Say no excuse for me. Let's continue. Verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart. Wait. The moment man lost a pignosis, not that our minds were not occupied with another knowledge, our minds were occupied with another knowledge. But the Bible calls all of that vain. So you have a mind that is called vain. That means any thought pattern that is not the knowledge of God is vanity before God. Any imagination that is not stemmed out of the rich, glorious knowledge of God is vain. It's vain. One time, Peter called on Jesus and said, you will not die. Rebuke Jesus. And Jesus said, Satan, get thee behind me. For you sever not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Other verses says, you do not think of the things that be of God. But you think of things that be of men. That means that anything outside the knowledge of God looks like Satan. In fact, the mindset of men is Satan. Any thought pattern. What, listen, let me break it down. What you are thinking now. Wait, listen to me. Watch my face. What you are thinking now. If it is outside the knowledge of God is Satan. He said that Satan, get thee away from me. Because you are not thinking like God. You are thinking like men. That means that this world can't dictate for us. News in the morning don't determine how you think. 
psychology books don't determine how you think. Every thought outside the knowledge of God is an advantage for Satan over your life. The decision you want to make concerning your marriage, if it is outside God's knowledge, is an advantage for Satan. Decisions for your children, everything around you, is an advantage for Satan. Now, I sat down and I understood why the church is failing. The stamp to your prayer is your thought life. And if your thought life is outside the knowledge of God, then you have already handed the advantage of your prayer life to Satan. You don't decide what you think. God decides for you. I repeat. I repeat. I repeat. Knowledge is not your choice. The knowledge to sustain in life is not your choice. I choose to believe this is this thing about my health. I choose to believe this thing about my academics. I choose to believe this thing about my marriage. I choose to believe that one is not your choice to make. There is an eternal knowledge of God that must determine everything that we do. And any thought outside that is an advantage we are handing over. To the enemy. That is why Satan still has a portion in the church of God. Because there are still people in the church refusing to think like God. There are leaders in the church refusing to think like God. There are workers in the church refusing to think like God. There are people in the church. Even pastors. Refusing to align their thoughts with God. The verse number 25, let me quickly read the verse 25 of Romans 1. He said, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. For this cause, God gave them up. Somebody say, for this cause. Shout for this cause. God gave them up to vile affections. For even their women did change their natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, um, also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, bend in their lusts one toward one another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God, in their knowledge, God gave them up. Listen. Because they did not retain God in their knowledge, God gave them up to vile affections. So women started sleeping with women. Men started sleeping with men. He said that all evil, when he continues the verse 29, verse 29 continues, he said, being filled with all unrighteousness, Fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, barbiters, haters of God, despisers, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. That means the root cause of all this, 
has to do with mindsets rejecting the knowledge of God. When we refuse to think along God, when we refuse to capture the epignosis, epignosis means that the, the knowledge of God overwhelming you, taking over all your mind. That's what it means. Listen to me, you don't know God until the knowledge you have about God can affect your life. You don't know God. Every knowledge that cannot affect your way of life is not the knowledge of God. He said that because they did not retain God in their knowledge, they were given up to backbiters, haters, deceitful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil. All these things, he said, because God was not retained in their how dangerous it will be to raise children who God is not retained in their knowledge. Raising churches that God is not retained in our knowledge. I am not interested in showcasing a superman presentation to men. My interest is simple. The first foundation to hosting God on earth is having the precise knowledge and sustaining it. One time Jesus asked the question, who do people say I am? All these people started talking. They say you are Elias. They say you are Isaiah. They say you are Moses. They say you are this. And he said, who do you say? that I am. And it shocked Jesus that among all his church only one person had a pignosis of who he is. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, it is upon this revelation, this knowledge you carry, this is the revelation upon which the church should be built. But how come hundreds of people, only one person knew the precise and correct knowledge about Jesus? Only one. We may have many dancers, but few that know God. We may have many shouters, but few. We may have people that rattle, but few know God. That is why somebody will stand and preach for one hour. Another will stand and preach for one hour. After that, we give all of them a chance. Pray for headache. Only one, the headache will go. The other, it will not go. So it's actually not what you say. It's what has captured your mind. The knowledge of God that is in you and has sustained your lifestyle. Cabadocia. Do I have a church here at all? Somebody say, I want to know God. And I will know him. Shout, I want to know God. Shout, God, I want to know you. This is when you begin to drain out of your system the knowledge you have sustained over time. Because that is God's agenda. That's God's agenda for the new creation. God's major agenda for the new creation was not just to do anything but to work on the knowledge. Colossians 3.10. Open to Colossians 3.10. Let's read something there. And have put on the new man 
which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So you see, when God was recreating your spirit, he recreated it with the knowledge of him. Not the knowledge of you anymore. Not the knowledge of COVID-19. Not the knowledge of HIV. Not the knowledge of hepatitis B. He recreated your spirit with the knowledge of him. So that the moment you are born again, you begin to draw the knowledge of God from your inside. So you don't listen to what is coming from the outside. You look at what is on the inside. For out of your belly shall flow rivers of living waters. I look within myself. I see God inside. He recreated me. After the knowledge of himself, I have eternal life. I will not die anyhow. I have eternal life. I will not fail anyhow. I have the God kind of life. It's inside. So when the outside is not going well, I draw from the inside. The outside will provoke anger. The inside will provoke patience. So when you draw, listen to me, all of God is inside of you. He recreated you with it. He recreated you. He said a new covenant I will make. He said I will write my laws in their heart. I write it. God's agenda in the new creation, his first agenda was to affect your knowledge. That your knowledge will be of him. He said, but who can teach God? But we now have the mind of Christ. We have it. We have it. So when you are walking about and somebody tell you, ah, a witch wants to kill you. You draw knowledge from the inside. I know who has made me. I'm after the order of Christ. Can a witch kill? Then I step. For we are seated high above. Principalities and powers. You draw from the inside. Can you speak in tongues for 30 seconds? Drawing the knowledge of God. 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 For you are being created. Your inner man, your new creation is created with the knowledge of he who created him. My God. In the name of Jesus. Your new creation was created with the knowledge of him who created him. He was not created with the knowledge of your old man. Was created with the knowledge of he who created him. That means every new creation must know God more than any other thing. Am I talking to a church here? So when you live here, there is a project on your heart. I've got to know God more than I know myself. So the dreams you've been having about yourself, you tell the dreams that can you pack. There is a more reality to catch up with. That reality is Jesus. That is who I really am. That's who I really am. Can I show you another scripture? Isaiah 55. Let's go there. And I will worship you forever. Love you forever. Verse 7. This God. Or oh, let's start from verse 6. I will worship you. 
I will worship you forever. Love you forever. This God. Verse 6, can you shout it loud and clear? Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he's near. Can you imagine? Are we seeking God? Is it in the year of our presence? Are we seeking him? Now we are going to find out how to seek God. Seek him while he may be found. Now let's shout they want to go. Let the wicked forsake his way and the righteous man his thought. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God. For he will abundantly pardon. Add the verse 8 to it. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways. Look at this. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thought and let him return for my thought and my ways. Let the wicked forsake his way. That means if you hold on to your way, you are wicked to your own destiny. Let the wicked forsake his own way. You are too wicked. You are the reason for your downfall. The way you are holding on to your thoughts and holding on to your way. Jesus is telling you that let the wicked forsake his way. And the unrighteous his thoughts. The reason why you can't live right is because you are holding on to your personal thoughts. So let the wicked. That means if God is looking at the wicked, he's not just looking at the medra. He's looking at the thoughts of the medra. If the medra can change his thoughts, he won't kill again. Let the wicked forsake his thoughts. Oh God, bless me, I'm too poor. God is saying you are too wicked to let your destiny be poor. Change your ways. He said, when you forsake your ways and forsake your thoughts, now return to me with an empty head. Just return. And I'll show you mercy. And then the verse 8, Mahadimo Hosiada. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. You've been too wicked for many years. If you return, you will know that you were thinking anti clockwise. Our ways were anti clockwise. So, can you just return? That is where you know all these years, this is not how you should be thinking. This is not the way to go. This is not. Verse 9. For us, <laughs> give the Lord some glory. <laughs> For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts. So, how can you have my life if you don't have my thoughts? Can you have my life if you don't have my ways? As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Oh, that is why those that walk with God, they don't think like you. They, they, they are weird. 
their thinking pattern are strange. People who are carriers of God's presence, when you want them to cry, they are not crying. When you want them to be worried, they are not worried. When you want them to be frustrated, they are not frustrated. Because as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are their thoughts. Because they have aligned their thoughts with God. The world will insult them, but they are still thinking some way. <laughs> Give the Lord your best shout of glory. You said, let, let me continue for you. Let me continue for you. The verse number 10. Can we all read one to go? For us, the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bad, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. Verse 11, let's shout it loud and clear. So shall my word be that go forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Look at this. He said that as water comes down, the rain comes down, and watereth the earth. The earth is fruitful, but it needs rain to bad. He said, as it rains on the earth and it begins to bud and give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, he says, so is my word. So is my word. Do you understand that? So is my word. And what is my word? When my word lands in your mind, it is like the rain to the earth. My word is already prosperous. It is sent to do. And what has it got to do? It comes to bring fruitfulness to you. So the reason why God is saying forsake your thoughts and pick up his thoughts is that the moment his word comes, his word comes to couple up with who you are. You have a destiny to be blessed. But the word comes like a rain to bring production to what you are destined for. So listen to me. You may have several potentials in life. But if what is sponsoring your thought pattern is wrong, then you have nowhere going. There is no way for you. And that is the case of many of us right now. We are thinking too far from God. And God is saying that my thought rains like the rain in the due season. The moment you start to align with God, his word begins to rain upon you. His word begins to rain. That is where life starts. Life starts. You may join us when we are dancing. You may join us in many things. But where life really starts, it's when the knowledge, even the true knowledge of God begins to dawn in your mind and in your heart. You start to receive them. So that your circumstances don't determine your direction. But there's a knowledge inside that keeps on. 
So people tell you that you will never make it in life. But there is another knowledge inside that keeps giving you direction. John 17, he said, for this is eternal life. For this is eternal life. For this is that you may know. Can I have a John 17 form? Let's all of us read it and I close my service today. I'll continue later. Is it? Is it verse 3? Sorry. Ah. Listen, I can't have the, I don't have the whole church. This is your last probably scripture for us to read and we finish. One to go. This is life. Eternal. <laughs> In other words, this is the superior life. The Zoe life. The life of God. This is life eternal. That life that overcomes death. That life that overcomes limitation. That life that overcomes the destructive weapons of hell. That life that is superior. To even the weaknesses and the desires of this flesh. That life that goes higher. That life that is not discouraged. That life. He said, this is the life that you may know. You may know. Never describe life by cars. That you may know. Don't describe People's supernatural experiences by what they are going through that you may know the true God and Jesus Christ. This is the highest in operation in our work with God. This is the highest. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2. I am determined to know nothing among you than Christ and him crucified. That is the highest in the order of our work with God. When a man's mind is consumed with all of God. Do I have a church here? Too many minds filled with girls in the church. Too many minds filled with money in the church. Too many minds filled with fame in the church. Too many minds filled with entitlement uh, uh, mentality. Too many minds filled with evil, sin, covetousness. Too many minds. He said, I am determined to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. This is the highest order in our work with God. If a man gets to this point... He is qualified to host God in an unusual way. You want to see God's glory? You want to walk with God? It is not a walking style. It is not a speaking style. It's not grammar. It is a pignosis. Not too much knowledge but a precise one about God. And you become so unshakable and unmovable. No matter the weapon thrown at you, you become unshakable. 
He said that the glorious light of the knowledge of God will shine in our heart. He finished and said, for we have this treasure in earthen vessel. What is the treasure? The knowledge of the glorious light of God. He said, it is a treasure. Therefore, we are perplexed. We are persecuted at every side. Yet we are not perplexed. When this treasure comes into your heart, there is no arrow thrown at you that succeeds and prosper. Because the knowledge of God is so high at work in you. You want to host God? Spend time to know him. What did I say? Spend time. Don't play with your quiet time. Have personal steady life. Don't study to go and debate. Don't study to go and argue. In fact, don't study to preach. Study to walk with him. Steady to walk with God. He will never be where he is not known. The measure of God's knowledge in your heart will be the measure of his presence around you. Even you, when you are going to speak anywhere, they call you and ask you, what is your biography? We want to present a little knowledge about you to the people before you show up. <laughs> so even men understand this mystery, that until you are known, you can't be appreciated. God will never show up until you know something about him. Because he knows that if you don't know that thing about him, you may never appreciate the glory of what he represents. The knowledge of God. He said, I pray for you that the spirit of wisdom, he said, the father of glory shall give you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation of the knowledge of him. Ephesians 1.17, a revelation of the knowledge of him. A revelation of the knowledge of him. He said, I pray this prayer that you receive a revelation. He said, it is after you receive this revelation that you will know the hope of your calling. The reason why many of us don't know the hope of our calling is that we don't have a revelation of him. If you don't know the pedigree of who has called you, you may undermine the calling. Yes, and many of us don't know the extent of the hope of our calling because we don't know who the caller is. So he said that he may give us the spirit of wisdom and the revelation of him that we will know even the inheritance we have in him and the exceeding great power that is made available. Oh, I pray for us. This year we are walking in the knowledge of God. The Bible says that grace and peace may multiply unto you through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. I pray this year the knowledge of God is bringing us to a place of multiplied grace and multiplied peace. Somebody say, I forsake my thoughts. Shall I forsake my thoughts? I pick up the thought of God. Say, I forsake my ways. I pick up the ways of God. But from today, you see, Anything you have to deal with, 
deal it with this understanding. How is God thinking? What is the touch of God concerning this issue? A case has been presented to me. How would God be thinking? How is God thinking about this issue? The thought of God must be so real to you. Every single morning you tell the Lord, I forsake my own thought. I pick up your thought. I forsake my own ways. I pick up your ways. This is the place of fruitfulness. Somebody said from today, the course of this world will not detect for me. I pick up the knowledge of God. Oh, I can't feel you. See, I pick up the knowledge of God. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Say, I pick up the knowledge of God. 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 What worried the body of Christ in Ghana was motivational speaking. What killed the fire in the United States was motivational speaking. Now it's coming to Africa. So people are in church for years and they don't know God. And they don't have any hunger for him. There are people in their hearts right now why do you want to talk to God if you don't want to hear what he's saying to you? The knowledge of God. Jesus looked at them. He said that these people are like sheep without a shepherd. They are not fed. They don't know much. There is no hunger there is no desire. There are people who are interested in just coming to sing than to know God. There are people interested in just coming to work in the church than to know God. So sometimes while service is going on, they are outside talking. Because they don't even understand. They don't understand. They don't understand. That God must be known to show up. There are many churches that died when the senior pastors died. And this was the answer. Because all this while, only senior pastor really knew God. The rest didn't. They were fighting for positions. And really didn't sit down. To find out what the senior pastor knows. Listen to me. Don't come to me and tell me. Lay hands so I, I can also see miracles and other stuff. Tell me. Teach me what you know about God. Teach me. What is it that you have. What is it you know about God. That has made God descend on you. What is it. Show me. Sometimes be around people. Who by the advantage of their knowledge concerning God, they have seen a move of God. 
be around them and find out what do they know? What are their thoughts patterns? What is their ways? How have they tapped into the frequency of God? To know things that others don't know about God. I'm telling you, you will never have what you don't know. He said that unto you has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. But unto them it is not known. Because in hearing they hear but they don't understand. In seeing they see but they can't perceive. What you don't know will never come. God is too precious to throw himself to people who don't know him. He said I will not cast my pearl to swines and before dogs. He said I will not. And you know what the dog and the swine is? People that do not have the knowledge of God and have not sustained God in their thoughts and in their ways. And very soon we will be exposed. When challenges come, we'll be exposed. When troubles come. Your exposure is not that a problem came. Your exposure will be your reaction to the problem. Whether you really knew God whether you really knew God. What will give Paul a crown in heaven is not his exploits. It is his pain he went through that despite that, he still did what he did for God. That is what will give him a crown. <laughs> because he sustained the knowledge. What gave Jesus a crown was not walking on water. It was dying on the cross. That's what gave him a crown. How he could die in the midst of that sustaining the knowledge of God. My father, into your hands I commit myself. How did he sustain the knowledge of God? And today your boyfriend left you, you are leaving church. The problem of today's generation is that we are raising too many people who don't know God. And don't have a hunger for the Lord. I'm coming to give you three continuous minutes. The same way you would have prayed against witches, pray. That God give me a hunger for you. Uh, the amen was even too small. God give me a hunger for you. Hunger to know you. Do you know that for three days some people sat down to listen to God's word and they forgot that they've not eaten. Apostle Paul said, I, from morning, I started teaching, and I taught till midnight. Ujina said, we would teach you for five hours, where people will sleep. But they will never sleep when watching a movie. There is no longing. There is no desire to know the Lord. There is no desire. My generation is too far from God. Let's return to the knowledge of the Lord. And not just the knowledge, but the precise. Let's pursue to know him. The Bible says in Hosea, if you will follow on to know him, follow on, follow on. After service, look for the audio, listen. Follow on to know him. Follow, follow. This is where the whole journey begins. God begins to come around when people begin to know him. Lift up your hands. Shout it loud and clear. My father, My father as, I pray, as I pray, 
in me a hunger and a test to know you day by day. In the name of Jesus, lift up your voice, begin to clap and pray. I need a hunger to know you. Thank you for listening to Pastor Ajuman Elvis. For inquiries, send us a mail on pastorelvis at gracemountainministry.org. For questions relating to relationships and marriage, send us a mail on loveclinic at elvisajuman.org. You can also send your testimonies via testimonies at elvisajuman.org. For offerings, visit www for more information make sure you subscribe to this podcast to receive new messages every single day remember faith cometh from hearing and hearing the word of god stay blessed